Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Amen. Tonight, as you're taking a seat, get your Bibles and go with me to James chapter number one. James chapter number one. The title of tonight's message is The Power Behind Patience. Some of you guys might have said, oh man, we're talking about patience tonight. Now, never pray for patience because God will give you opportunities to be patient in it and uh, you'll see how you do there. But there are three words that we find in the New Testament that in the New Testament that can be translated into this one word, patience. Each one of these words has a meaning and a use that differ. Uh, it's almost like the difference between a sledgehammer, a framing hammer, and a finishing hammer. You know what I mean? They're all hammers, but they all have different uses and different applications. In the same way, we're going to look at patience, patience, and patience, and find out the different uses and the different applications. Maybe a better illustration of this would be like a football, a baseball, and a basketball. They're all balls, right? They're all a part of a sport, but there's different rules that apply to each one of those and the way that it's used. Everybody tracking? All right. So we're going to take a look at this in the sense of what the New Testament has to say about patience. And if we can understand these different words, then we can see the situations we would use them for, as well as understand how to use them in the situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us not only what to do and how to do it, but it gives us the power to do it. And remember, the title of tonight's message is The Power Behind Patience. You can know in a situation I need to be patient. You can also know how to be patient, but without the power, you're going to be lacking. And so tonight, each one of these has a different source that we see from the Scriptures that will help you to be patient. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord for that. And in these words, the end result is that you will have the patience you need for every situation. When it comes to your family, how many of you know your kids can try your patience? Amen, Ryan. I've got two teenagers and one a tweenager. Every now and then they try my patience. How many of you know your spouse can try your patience, right? Don't look to your right or your left, husband or wife right now. You just sit there and look straight forward, especially you gentlemen, right? Oh, no, he's not talking about me right now. Your boss can try your patience. Your coworkers can try your patience. The great people of the Inland Empire and beyond on the 10 freeway can try your patience. But tonight, I want to take a look at the power behind patience so that we can do what God has called us to do and be all that God has called us to be. So tonight, three words for patience and the power behind them. The first one that we're going to take a look at, I like this one, and this is a great one, but these three words for patience and the power behind them. First one is this, is enduring patience. Enduring patience. This is the first word that we find for patience in the New Testament that is also the most used. It literally means to endure. In fact, in some of your translations, they might not put patience. They might say endurance instead of patience. Literally, it means to stand under a weight or a pressure for a long time. See, many times people think of patience as just sitting around waiting like you're at the DMV going nuts and you can't do anything, right? Except maybe play some solitaire on your phone or text somebody, something like that. And, and you almost feel like it's a passive thing. But this word endurance, this enduring patience is an active patience. It means that you're standing up under a pressure, that you're carrying a load or a weight. 
It could also be thought of in the sense that I've gained ground and I'm not going to give up this ground no matter how much resistance comes against me. No matter if the devil attacks, no matter if people push back, no matter if the situation doesn't look good, that's my ground. I've got this ground and I'm going to stand this ground no matter what comes at me. That's the type of enduring patience that we're talking about. It really is something that holds on and won't let go. It's a hanging in there type of patience, if you will. James chapter number one, verse number two through verse number four says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, sometimes the Bible says very weird things, doesn't it? Wait a second, count it all joy when I encounter various trials? Like, why would I do that? Why, why would I smile? Why would I laugh? Why would I be bubbling over with joy when I'm in the midst of a trial? I should be crying. I should be bawling and squalling. I should be complaining. And yet the Bible says don't do that. It says count it all joy. Add up the facts and realize that you should be happy about this. Why? Verse number three, knowing. See, when you know something about the Bible, then you know something about life. And when you know something about life, when you know it, then guess what? You can smile and you can laugh because you know what's coming. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, what's that word right there? Oh, come on, even online, join us. What's that word right there? Patience. Verse number four. But let patience have its perfect work. Notice it's not passive. It's active. It's working. It's doing something. And so he says, hang in there while patience is making something happen. Stick to it until patience finishes what it's set out to do. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect meaning fully equipped, having all that you need, not missing any parts. See, patience will go and get the things that you need in order to complete the task of sticking in there, staying under that weight, that pressure, sticking around and being strong through those trials that are coming at you. It is a stick to it. And, and we need to know what is the power behind our enduring patience. And the power behind our enduring patience is one word, hope. In, in fact, many times you will find in the New Testament these two words found in the very same verse. One great example of that is 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. He talks about their patience of hope. And so we need to understand that the power behind enduring patience is hope. Hope is the picture that we have that shows us the future that we are confidently expecting God for. In other words, hope is like a blueprint that you're looking at and saying, this is what my future is going to be. When you have a picture in your mind of how things can be in your future, then guess what? Then you will endure the trial until you see the picture come into your reality. Are you listening tonight? See, without hope, you don't have anything to look forward to. You don't have a picture and you wonder, why am I standing under all this pressure? Why am I enduring this trial? There's, there's no reason for me to be doing this. And what will you do? You will let go of the ground. You'll give up. You'll put the burden or the weight or the load down. But if you have hope, guess what? You've got that picture that if I carry this long enough, that guess what? I'm going to make it through to the other side, and I can see the other side, and it's good. If you're in the middle of a battle, and you've got a picture of you winning the battle, if you have a picture of you victorious, 
No matter what trial or temptation or pressure is coming at you, guess what? If you have a picture of victory, then I'm not giving up this ground. See, hope is the power behind enduring patience. Let me show this to you in Romans chapter 8, verse number 25. I'm going to read this to you in the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. Romans chapter 8, verse number 25, and the CSB says this. Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Notice hope and patience right there in the same verse. You'll find it all throughout the New Testament. Hope and patience. See, you can endure if you have that picture of what life can be like in your future if you will hold on. Self-made millionaire Eugene Lang had been asked to speak at a class of 59 sixth graders of whom he was told 60% would drop out before they completed high school. What could he say to inspire these students? Scrapping his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart. Stay in school, he admonished, and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope. One student said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Listen to this. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate high school, and Eugene Lang paid for their college tuition. Even went on to start a foundation and continued to encourage young people to stay in school, getting them as young as in the third grade, starting to look forward to completing high school so that they could go on to get a college education, all based on this one principle of having hope. If they could have a hope of having their college tuition paid for, then guess what? Now they will endure the process of going through grade school and high school and making sure that they get good grades and making sure that they complete what they need to complete. For us as Christians, our ultimate hope is in Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He is the picture of our victory. He is the one that gives us a picture of a future in eternity with him. He's the one that we can endure any test, any challenge, any trial. Think about it. Think about it for a second. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3 talks about us running a race with endurance. Why? Because Jesus Christ endured for the joy that was set before him. He went to the cross and suffered, and therefore we need to consider him. See, when we take a look at Jesus, who is our hope, and we have that picture of him suffering and enduring, then guess what? We can suffer, and we can endure, and we can go through the challenge, and we can go through the trial. We can endure any problem that we face. Think about this for a second. What you are today is because of the problems you faced yesterday. And what you will be tomorrow is going to be because of how you handle the problems of today. So the question I have for you is will you stay in there in hope of a better future or will you get discouraged and get off of your hope? See, we need to have a picture that we are victorious already in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus endured, because Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father, because Jesus sent his spirit to live in our hearts now, we can have tremendous hope that it doesn't have to be like this. That we don't have to repeat the mistakes of our past or of our fathers. That we can go on to perfection like the Bible said, as patience has its perfect work in our life. As we endure and the power behind our enduring patience is hope. Second word in the New Testament for patience is this. Remember we said there are three words for patience and the power behind them. Second one is this, is a long-suffering patience. 
So we've gone from enduring patience to long-suffering patience. Um, excuse me, Pastor, I don't like that word suffering. And you just talked about enduring problems, and now you're talking about suffering, but not just suffering. You're talking about suffering long? I don't know that I like that. And yet, this word, we find it many times in the Bible. This is the second most used word for patience that you'll see in the Bible. Many times you'll see it translated long-suffering in some translations. Other times you'll see it translated patience. This word is a compound word. It comes from two words, one being long, speaking of the length or the duration, the other being the word anger or swelling emotions and growing passion over something. When these words are put together, it becomes long-suffering. It is a patient restraining of anger or swelling emotions. In other words, it could be said that this patience is like a candle with a very long wick. It means that you are prepared to burn for a really long time while you wait. Now, you're going to have feelings about the person who's getting on your last nerve. But because you're being long-suffering, guess what? You're willing to wait. You're willing to be patient while God works on them. And you're going to be willing to allow God to work on their heart until you see the change in their lives. See, all of us are going to be in living our lives in relationship with others. There's going to be people that we don't agree with, people that we see that are working on their salvation, right? The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. All of us are doing that, right? All of us are growing. You would not be in this church or watching online tonight if you didn't want to grow in the things of God. And I guarantee you that you probably are that person for someone else. I know that I have been, right? Where people are rolling their eyes and going, man, I wish they would just get a clue. But thank God there were people who were long-suffering with me. That when I messed up, that they said, you know what, it's okay. I'll wait. I'm here for you. I'm patiently waiting as God works on you. You know, my mom's over here on the front row. I was just telling my wife the other day from age like 14 to about age 17, I'm surprised she didn't go out and purchase a gun and kill me. Because I got on her last nerve and she waited and she prayed for me while I changed. See, we need to have that same long suffering, that same long wick to be able to burn for a long time. Because you may be passionate about it and yet it might be something that continues to come at you. But you've got to be ready to be long suffering. During a Monday night football game between the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants, one of the announcers observed that Walter Payton, the Bears running back, had accumulated over nine miles in career rushing yardage. The other announcer remarked, yeah, and that's with somebody knocking him down every 4.6 yards. See, he was willing to run. He was willing to go the distance. He was willing to suffer being knocked down over and over and over and over and over again. You know, the usefulness of a stamp is to stick to the same thing until it arrives at its destination. We all need to be long-suffering. We need to stick to it when it comes to other people. In fact, in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 13, many of us know this as the love chapter. It talks about this. In 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 4, I'm going to read this to you in the New Living Translation. You're welcome to read along in whatever translation you have. But look what it says. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Notice that it starts right off the bat. Love is patient. Some of your translations might say, love suffers long. 
Author and pastor Rick Renner from Russia proposes other possible interpretations. This man is a, uh, a Greek scholar, and when he, when he expounds on this, he says it could be translated this way. Love isn't short-tempered or easily angered. It could say love does not quickly blow its top, but is patient as it waits for others. It could say love is not irritable and impatient, but is willing to wait a long time for someone to change. It could say love is determined to wait until the other person finally comes around. Or finally, it could say love passionately burns for others and is willing to wait as long as is necessary. See, this is something that we need to understand that the pressure that might have been external in that first type of patience that we would stand up under is now the pressure that's internal in us. We might be burning with emotion. We might be burning with passion. We might be burning with anger. Why don't they get it finally? Why don't they get a clue? Why don't they finally come around? And yet, we're willing because of love, the God kind of love, the love that God gave us to suffer long for others. In fact, the power behind this long-suffering patience is the Spirit Himself. We see this in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. Once again, I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. Oh, come on. You guys missed the cue right there. Let's try that again. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. Patience. Patience. Some of your translations say long-suffering. It's only by the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to be able to produce this kind of patience, this long suffering, to have that longer wick than you could in the natural. In the natural, man, we might want to knock someone out. But guess what? By the Spirit of God, we'll stay that judgment. We'll hold off. We'll wait for them while they change. Why? Because God was doing the same for us. See, throughout the Bible, we see God waiting. We see God restraining judgment. We see God being patient while people repent, while we get our act together. And it's the same nature of God that we have in us by the power of the Holy Spirit to give to others when we are patiently waiting for them to change. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Last one for us tonight is this. So we've already seen that that patient endurance, right? Now we've seen that patient long-suffering. The last type of patience that we're going to take a look at tonight is this. It's called forbearing patience. Forbearing patience. This is an interesting kind of patience that we see in the New Testament, but we need to understand this kind of patience. We've talked about situations, pressures, trials that come at us. We've talked about long-suffering with other people. But now, here's a different type of patience because it's forbearing patience. And this is the kind of patience that bears with something that is evil or directly opposed to it. Even when it comes to people, who are evil, meaning that they are opposed to or contrary to the Word of God. We see that the definition of evil is anything contrary to the Word of God. And there are going to be people that you encounter, people on the job, people in the community. They might be people in your family, maybe even people in your home, your household, that are opposed to the Word of God. And yet the Bible exhorts us to be patient with them and to put up with them, if you will. Uh, there was a man that was at a grocery store one time pushing his little uh, son around as a toddler, and this toddler was just throwing a fit. Anything he could grab from the shelves, he would throw it and would just be angry, screaming and yelling. And there was a lady walking around the grocery store too, and she was shopping. She noticed this man and his son, and she heard him under his breath whispering, keep calm, Albert, keep calm. 
Come on, calm down, Albert. Calm down. And every time she would pass him, she'd hear him saying that. Calm down, Albert. Calm down. Keep calm, Albert. Keep calm. And finally, she stopped the man just before she was getting ready to check out. And she said, you know what? I really admire your patience with your son to say, keep calm, Albert. Keep calm. And to tell him to calm down, Albert. And he said, no, that's not my son. My name's Albert. His name is Franklin. Second Timothy chapter number 2, verse 24 through verse 26. In the J.B. Phillips, this is a paraphrase. That means that he, they were taking the word of God and, and, and putting a, a little bit different spin on it. It's not a direct translation. It's a paraphrase. But Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26, in reading this, I thought that it beautifully expressed the way that the, the original language in the scriptures would have us to see this. Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26, in the J.B. Phillips paraphrase says, And the Lord's servant must not be a man, and we could say, or a woman, of strife. They must be kind to all, ready and able to teach. He must have patience and the ability to gently correct those who oppose his message. Isn't that shocking? You know, I've been in meetings where people have been uh, almost violently opposed to people that oppose their message. I've heard people say nasty things from pulpits about others who oppose their message. And yet, here in the Word of God, it says they've got to have patience and the ability to gently correct those who oppose their message. He must always bear in mind that the possibility that God will give them a different outlook and that they may come to know the truth, that they may come to their senses and be rescued from the power of the devil by the servant of the Lord and set to work for God's purposes. Some translations say that God will grant them repentance and that they'll be saved literally from being enslaved or in the clutches of the devil. Wow. Think about that for a second. It says that we ought to be patient with people who are even opposed to the message of the gospel. Why should we be patient with them? It's because we're to gently correct them in hopes that God will give them a different outlook or that they will be granted repentance and that they'll come out of the clutches of the enemy to do God's will. Wow, that shows me that the power behind this forbearing patience is a beautiful word called sympathy. Sympathy. We know that we were once evil. We were once opposed to the word of God. Before we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says we were at enmity with God. You know what that means? It means you were at war with God. You were violently opposed to the things of God. You were going to do you. You didn't want to hear what God had to say. Maybe you had a religious background and you thought that you were okay, but then you kept doing your own thing. That was war with God. And that's evil. And thank God that even though we may have heard the message of the gospel, that when we rejected it, that God lovingly and patiently and kindly course corrected us to get us to the foot of the cross where we could repent, where we could lay down our arms, and where we could receive that saving grace and knowledge and faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's where we are able to, if you can go back in your thinking, when you're telling someone about Jesus on the job and they're like, that's not real. Man, rather than just say, hey, let's take this outside then and show you what's real. You know what I mean? Rather than do that, rather than slap somebody or throw the book at them or any of those types of things, rather than go off on someone, here's what we ought to do. We ought to go back to the days where we were opposed to the message of the gospel and be able to sympathize. They're lost. They don't know any better. 
I mean, how many of us had problems with the miracles in the Bible? How many of us had problems with, with, with uh, these sensational things that we take a look at in the Word of God? Some of us were so cerebral that we could not a- experience emotions even when it came to the things of God. Why are they so celebratory, you know? Yeah, you don't have to worship God by, by crying and having shaking and all that kind of stuff, right? And we, we almost reject any emotion. We're in a stoic church, right? And we realize how lost we were, how broken we were. That this God who created emotion, this God who created all the wisdom in the world, God who knows everything, that this God is the one who waited for us, no matter how obstinate, how opposed we were to him and to his message, that God lovingly guided us to himself. And in that same way, if you're working on somebody, my goodness, if you've been witnessing, if you've been living your life trying to live above reproach, if you've been trying to be a witness in the community or in the job or where it is, maybe even to your family members, and man, they can really be rude. They can really be mean. They can really come at you because they're familiar with you. And just start to sympathize and remember those days before you received Jesus, how you thought, how you did your own thing, how you went after the wrong things. You know where you've been led to, and now you know how to lead them to the Lord, lovingly correcting. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1 in the New King James Version says this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Look at this. Considering yourself, there's that sympathy, lest you also be tempted. See, in the flesh, we're all subject to the weaknesses of the flesh. And we could mess up. We could fall. We've seen it. We've seen it in, in people that we thought would never fall, ministers. You know, i got to watch myself. I thank God that I'm watching myself. My wife is watching myself. The people are praying for me. That God's watching myself. Right. Why? Because, listen, we got to consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. We are not immune to sin and temptation and those things. And that's why when we go to restore someone who's in a fault or when we go to correct someone who's opposed to the message, we do it with kid gloves. We do it with tenderness. We, we do it with a heart of compassion and a heart that says, you know what, I sympathize because I was weak. I was foolish. And thank God, God got a hold of me. Thank God I have the wisdom of God in the mind of Christ now. And guess what? I'm not immune. I can still mess up too. And that's why, hey, let's take care of you. Let's build you up, not break you down. Let's make sure that you get where you need to go. What did we learn tonight? We learned about three words in the New Testament for patience and the power behind them. These three words. First one was enduring patience. Anybody know the word that's behind enduring patience? Hope, right? Let's try that again. Anybody know the word that's behind enduring patience? Hope. We learned about long-suffering patience. What's behind long-suffering patience? Or maybe I should say who is behind long-suffering patience? The Holy Spirit, right? And we learned about forbearing patience. And what is that word that's behind forbearing patience? Sympathy. Good job. You guys got it. I believe that as you get a hold of these things, and as you realize, man, I'm in need of forbearing patience, that you're going to reach out and find some sympathy. I believe that as you find yourself suffering long, you're going to go out and you're going to tap into the presence of God and the Spirit of God. That as you need that enduring patience, that you're going to start to get that picture of hope. That way you can stand under that pressure, under that trial. You can keep that ground that you got and not give it up. Did you guys get something from the Word of the Lord tonight? Come on, let's give God a great big praise. Hallelujah. Tonight, let's take some time. We've got plenty of time. You've been in church one hour. Can you believe that? My goodness, miracles do happen.
Well, let's just take some time and let's pray and let's allow the Holy Spirit to come and move in our lives right now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? No one getting up, no one leaving during this time, even online. Come on, join us. Join us in prayer right now. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to come and minister to our hearts. Tonight, would you just pray and ask God this question? God, what are you speaking to me? And then just listen for his voice. to do something a little different tonight, you're welcome to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're in this place and you're in a trial, would you just raise a hand up right now? Just slip a hand up in the air. You know you're in the midst of a trial. I see you. God sees you. Keep that hand up for a moment. Father, I pray for these who have their hands raised right now. God, they're in the midst of a trial. I pray, God, that they would get that picture of hope. That you would strengthen them so that they can endure. Those of you with your hands raised, would you just allow the Spirit of God to give you a picture? You know, God gave you an imagination. And he wants to give you that picture. Maybe it looks like a video in your head of you doing something. Start to see yourself victorious. Now, I'm not talking about this new age stuff. I'm talking about allowing the spirit to give you a vision. There's a difference. You're not making this up. Allow God to give that to you. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Now, some of you might need to raise your hands again on this one, but if you're in the midst of long-suffering with others, just throw a hand up in the air. Long-suffering. Oh, I see some new hands. Okay. I see some of the same hands. Father, I pray for those with their hands raised right now, live and online, even at home. God, I pray, Lord, right now you fill them with your spirit. We know that long-suffering is a product of your Holy Spirit, that it's a fruit. And so, God, I pray right now that they would just get a fresh filling, God. You fill them up so that they can be long-suffering with those in their lives. We thank you and we praise you, God that their wick is getting longer, that they can burn a whole lot longer, God. That they can passionately wait while you work on those that are causing these emotions in them. In Jesus' name. For those of you with your hands raised right now, just take a deep breath in, symbolizing, you know what, I'm breathing in that breath of God, the Spirit of God. 
He's seen his wind and his breath. He's the oil that's poured into our lives. Just, just see yourself filling up with oil as you breathe in. You might even experience something that, that's a sensation in your body where you feel like oil is being poured out on you. Sometimes God does supernatural things. That's what God's doing. It's not weird. It's just God giving you a confirmation of what he's doing right now. Isn't that awesome? All right, you guys can put your hands down. Last group of people, if you know that you're in need of this forbearing patience, there are people in opposition. Maybe you've been trying to witness to somebody, maybe it's a family member, a coworker, a neighbor. Just throw a hand up in the air right now. You're in need of that forbearing patience. Ooh, some new hands went up. All right. Some of the same hands again. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for each and every person that's witnessing as declaring your word, God. And Lord, we know in the world that we will have tribulation. We know that there will be people who will not endure sound doctrine. There will be people that will be opposed to the message. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just allow each and every person with their hand raised, live and online, once again, God, to be able to sympathize, to remember where you brought them from, God, and to remember how patient you were with each and every one of us. And from that place, God, that they would extend that same patience to those that they're ministering to, those lost, those broken, those hurting. Even though those souls may be in opposition to you now, God, we pray for them. We ask, God, that you would soften their hearts. That you continue to sow good seed into their hearts. And that, Father God, that it would take root. And that eventually it would bear fruit unto eternal life. We ask that they would surrender their hearts and lives to you. Completely and wholly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.